welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters like you how to have more turkeys on your property and more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this through tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. And this episode is part two of my interview with Harry Whitehead with Gunner's Taxidermy out of Kentucky. In this episode, Harry is going to tell us how to care for a turkey from the kill to the taxidermist, the difference between an artificial turkey head and a freeze-dried turkey head, and how to get that oscillated or Gould's turkey back into the U.S. without getting it seized by customs. So without further ado, here's Harry Whitehead. So you mentioned earlier you know, using a freeze-dried turkey head over a artificial turkey head. What is an artificial turkey head made of? Well, they're just a mold of a uh, they're just a mold of a, of a mounted one or a freeze-dried one, but they're made out of a they're made out of a resin. Uh, okay. And, and they usually they're, they're they come back white, and so it's left to the taxidermist to put all the paint on there. Which that's not that big a deal, but what you are compromising is your little hairs and and eyelashes and and the hairs on the end of your the snood and feathers mm-hmm. on the back of the neck, and so you know you're 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 leaving some detail out of there, and that that to me I just I don't care for that. Yeah. Are are there any disadvantages to having to using an artificial? I mean, I'm sorry, disadvantages to using any uh, a freeze dried turkey head? head? Well, you, I mean, you, you have to make sure that you're using one, a freeze dried head from a reputable freeze dryer. Uh, in the past, there's been some issues with insect damage. The, the guy wasn't, he wasn't either doing it properly or wasn't using an, a, a strong enough insecticide in his injection fluid or. Something mm-hmm. of that nature, um, you know, the, because they will attract insects. What we do, we take and my skin. The only thing that's there that's real is the outside skin. We take. There's no skull. There's no neck material. There's no meat. So basically, the beak and the rest of the skin is pulled over a mannequin. So all you have is actually the skin of that turkey head that goes over a mannequin. So you're very, you're greatly lessening your chance of insect infestation with this method and uh, interesting yeah that's it's uh you know a little common sense goes a long way doing this stuff um so yeah that's we i mean I, i've had guys call me and say man I, i'm gonna start using your service because i had your heads and i had a head from this other guy all in the same bag and opened them up and those heads were eaten up and your heads were untouched so uh, yeah. apparently we're doing the right thing here. You're telling me then that there's a little bit more to freeze-drying one than just taking a head, throwing it in the freezer, and pulling it out <laughs> yeah. in a year and painting yeah. it and get moving on, huh? Yeah, there's just a little more involved than that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably not a uh, 
do-it-yourself type of project. So No, I wouldn't suggest doing it that way, no. Leave that to <laughs> Harry and his crew, huh? All right, now, as hunters, what can we do in the field and back at camp to get the bird's head ready for taxidermy so that we can get a good quality product back from the taxidermist? Well, I mean, number one, you don't want that bird to languish outside of refrigeration or salt or whatever, and you want to keep it cool. Uh, the birds that are here in the States, your Osceolas, your Easterns, and, and Rios, and Miriams, and so on, they're pretty tough, but once they're dead, you don't want them to lay there and be bloody and get dried out because then they're going to they're going to freeze dry darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, in most instances, the bird will you can paint it better if it freeze dries and it's a lighter color. So, uh, having said that, just the quicker that you get, and th- this goes true for the skin as well. I mean, the whole bird, the head, the body, everything. Like when I'm down in Florida, I go down to my outfit I have down there and, and I'll skin the birds and what I'll leave the head attached I leave everything attached except for the feet I take the feet off the legs mm-hmm. and then I'll skin that around and just fold the bird up I'll fold the head into the body I fold the tail in over the head and then I'll close it all in with the wings and I put that in a bag and that goes in a cooler immediately with ice so the bird's fresh it hasn't dried out you know, the blood isn't all dried all over it. So the cleaner you right. keep it, the quicker you get it under refrigeration or under some means of preservation, the better your mouth's going to be as far as the skin, the head, everything. So, uh, and especially like when you're down in Mexico, with that oscillate, it's just 110 degrees and you're sitting there taking pictures and it's hot and you lay the bird on a rock and take a picture of it and you're behind it. Then you need to do that quick. Get that yeah. back in there, let them skin it, let them get it on ice, or let them get it in a, in a freezer, whatever, however you're, going, you're doing it, and don't don't play around. Get that done, and that will ensure that you're going to have a better mouth. So the outfitters that you hunt with in Mexico, do they pretty well know how to how to take care of a bird and get it ready for taxidermy? Sometimes it's <laughs> they know that when I get there, they know that I know what I'm talking about, so they right. do different <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, and then sometimes I've gotten birds from guys that guy these things are totally butchered, and uh, you know you just got to uh, every time I go and I hunt with a different outfitter, I'm always educating these guys on the how this needs to be and how it's generally done now, uh, and you know and, and in most cases they listen and adhere to that and and you got a good product. Uh, but it's also important for the hunter to go and familiarize himself with how it's supposed to be done. That way he can go down there and instruct the outfitter, hey, this is how I want my stuff skinned. And, right. uh, and that way it comes back and everybody's happy. And the turkeys over there in Mexico that you kill, you cannot actually ship a whole turkey back into the U.S., can you? You have to do just the, the you can't send any meat back. At all, well, you? you can't now. You can't, and that's a good point. You can't send any meat back for consumption. Okay. Uh, and it's cost prohibitive to send the whole bird back because right now you can't just bring it and take it to a taxidermist. It's got to go through a process through USDA. 
it's got to go through a, a, a approved facility here in the states to be processed and disinfected. Uh, the remains have to be incinerated. Wow. So, yeah, it's not, it's not like it, all this importation has all changed. You have to go through a HPAI-approved facility. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the permits that you have to acquire prior to leaving to be able to bring your birds back into the states have changed. There's a, uh, a 16-6 that you have to acquire now. Uh, and then once it comes back into the country, you've got to go to the ag counter. They got to produce the 1678 uh, report. It's got to be. In some instances, it's it. You can hand carry it and ship it to the approved facility. In other instances, you have to leave it there and have it taken through customs by a broker. Oh, yeah. So this is a very very important step that the truck the hunter that's traveling abroad. Needs to talk with someone that is well versed in this importation process and find out exactly what to do and what permits to have and what you actually need to be able to go and and because uh, it's a shame to go down there and go through this and spend the, the the money to acquire these these trophies only to get back to the states and have them seized. Right. So. It, uh, it is no longer an easy deal. You can't just show up and say, I'm bringing these into the country and I'm taking them and sending them to John Doe taxidermist. It does not work like that anymore. And that's a good way to get them seized, isn't it? Uh, well, they, you're not going to get them into the country yeah. unless you have the proper documentation. I mean, now it's required that you have a hunter services agreement with your outfitter in Mexico. You also have, excuse me. You also have to have a CITES export permit or CITES certificate of origin to show that the birds were harvested in Mexico. Excuse me. And then you also uh, have to have copies of the tags on each bird, and you know, and then you have to have your 16-6A permit from the USDA. And then you, I mean, it's it's a there's a litany of things that you have to have, and if these things aren't on your person when you get to the, back to the border, coming back into the country, you've got a problem. Wow, is there a checklist that you have with all of those different documents on it that maybe we could offer to the to the listeners? Well, what I what I do, I provide a service for this, and okay, and I I, I take it from start to finish. Uh, as far as helping you acquire your permits and supporting documentation, I also give you a copy of my uh, USDA approved facility paperwork, mm-hmm. and I handle the whole thing for a hundred bucks. So I mean, that's, oh gosh, that's a that's a deal of a lifetime. That is a deal of a lifetime. In fact, I I would really kind of hate to say it this way, but I think you're ripping yourself off. Yeah. Well. <laughs> You know, I, mean, I do this. Uh, I do this if if I am doing the taxidermy work. Okay, if I'm not doing this taxidermy work, if I'm doing the import and processing the skins, it falls under a different uh, a different pay. Right. So, and there are there are plenty of approved facilities out there that that know what they're doing, 
but there's also plenty of them out there that don't. Yeah. So just be very careful. If somebody says that you don't need this or you don't need that, that should be a red flag because you do need it. Uh, and there have been some outfitters in the past that have said, I don't worry about that. I'll get it across the border and send it to you. Do not do that because that is illegal for one. And once that bird gets here, it has not gone to USDA. It has not gone to Fish and Wildlife. You have not declared any of these trophies. Those trophies are illegal. And if it comes down to it and you're found out, they'll come and take them away from you. So wow. it's always better to do the right thing. That way you're not looking over your shoulder wondering what's going to happen. And it, it really all boils down to what you said earlier, and that's having a the a relationship and, and establishing a conversation with your taxidermist, whether that's Harry or somebody else, to before you actually go on the hunt. And, uh, Absolutely. Now, not all taxidermists are approved facilities. Right. So, I think there's only two here in Kentucky. There might be three, but I think there's only two here in Kentucky. So even if your taxidermist is not a proof facility, it's a very it's mandatory that he has some kind of relationship with an approved facility where they can work together and the birds can be shipped after their process to the taxidermist of your choice. So, hmm. I mean, there is a mechanism. You don't have to use me. I mean, I, I can't do everybody's birds and don't want to. True. But I do want to take care of my clients and ensure that they have a good trip and, and safe trip and that their trophies get here and uh, and they can have a mailing. So, uh, I mean, we offer that, too. I mean, I, I can get this thing into the country, get it processed, and ship it to any tax firm in the United States. And we do that frequently. So uh, I don't want, I don't want the, the audience here to think that, this is a, I'm cornering the market because I'm not. I mean, this you can have any tax permits you want do your work, but there's only a certain amount of us that can get this stuff in the country legally and uh, process it and get it to you in a legal fashion. And you know the the thing is, you as a hunter, you go on a trip like that, and those those hunts, those Gould hunts and the oscillated hunts are not inexpensive hunts, and so you know I, I would say just as a recommendation to anybody listening to the show, if you're going on one of those hunts, don't skimp on, you know, on the taxidermy or, or, you know, paying your taxidermist an extra, Harry charges a hundred bucks, but even if it's two or three or $400, don't skimp on that and, uh, end up losing that bird, um, to, uh, customs or, you know, having uh, the USDA confiscated or anybody like that. So, you well, know, and, just... it's, and it's not cheap to get this stuff. And uh, I mean, your your sixteen six A permit is two hundred fifty dollars, uh, and that can be used for your whole party. Though you can list okay. four, five, six names on there, so that can be divided up between all people in that party. Uh, and then once you get back to the states. Uh, the, the use of my permit is $100, and then clearance fee is $100 per bird if I'm doing the work. Uh, it's more expensive if I don't do the work, though. Sure. Once you, once your taxidermist receives these skins, they're basically going to be ready to mount because they've already been skinned, fleshed, and washed and disinfected. So they're, your taxidermist should give you a discount off of what he charges because these birds have already been prepped. Okay. So... Yeah, there's a there's a mechanism to do all this stuff, and 
And also, uh, this is another little tip that there's certain ports in the, uh, that you want to go through, and there's certain ports you don't want to go through. Uh, some of these ports will require that you that you get a broker to walk it through customs, and they will charge you more for that, up mm -hmm. to up to four hundred dollars. And that is per person, not per shipment. So oh, wow. you want to shy away from some ports, and there's other ports that that let you hand carry this stuff. You can go through, and once you get back to your residence, you can next day it or second day it to the approved establishment that's on your on your permit, and life is good. Well, that's all great information, and and I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, I, I was I actually went to Mexico on my ghouls hunt with my taxidermist, and he handled everything from start to finish coming in, and. You know, so I didn't even have to, I never even gave it a second thought. All I did was shoot a bird and drink some wine afterwards to celebrate. So uh, made it nice and easy. But um, now getting back to the actually caring for the bird, I know, you know, in shooting a, a deer or shooting any other type of mammal, I before I will do anything, you know, or after I get the animal caped out, you know, I immediately try to get all the blood off of it that I can. Is that same? Does that same principle apply to a turkey head and the turkey feathers? Do you want to get the blood off of those as quickly as possible if you happen to get some on it? Yeah, I mean, turkey feathers clean pretty readily, but I mean, if one is real super bloody, you kind of want to wash that off because if it dries and it's a big clot and it, it's very difficult to get it out of the down and and it will actually damage the barbels that's in the feathers and prevent them from going back together. So you're going to have a spot there. Uh, okay. This is a point that I, I try to make to a lot of my clients. You know, like they want a turkey mount, and they say, all right, I shot my first bird. Well, that, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, people shoot their first deer, first whatever, first five-pound bass. Or, <coughs> excuse me, birds are a little different. Uh, you know, you got your first turkey in that thing. You've lost scaps on one side. It's kicked and kicked part of its breast feathers out. It's flopped down mm -hmm. the hill and <laughs> rolled over into the creek and got in a mud hole. That is not the bird you want to have mounted. Now, if you're on a ghoul's hunt, where, I mean, that's it, that's all. I mean, you shot one bird and you, you just got to get to that bird and try to prevent that situation from happening. Uh, okay. Inevitably, it will. So you're going to bring your bird back into the country. The scabs are going to be missing. It's going to be pretty roughed up. You have got to be dealing with a taxidermist that has the ability to be able to fix this, i.e., meaning he has spare parts. Gotcha. Okay, so if you came to me with a ghoul's bird and this is the only bird you shot on the trip, it was your first ghoul, you've got this money invested in this 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 trophy, and it's pretty rough shape, you still want a nice mount. Right. So you've got to be dealing with someone that has the capability to be able to fix that and has the ability as a taxidermist to fix it. So just keep that in mind. When you're picking your taxidermist or, or uh, whoever's doing your import for you, that those things are are important. But yes, I mean I have 
since I've taken, I don't know, 30-something mules, uh, I had plenty of spare parts that uh, I can cut off, you know, some of my birds and replace them into the mount should yours be uh, subpar. Right. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I guess just the average hunter doesn't really think about, um, you know, what happens behind the scenes. You know, it's just what you said. We take a, a bird that's been beat to heck and back and uh, take it to the taxidermy and we get this finished product that we're real excited about and happy about and, you know, don't think about all the extra work that went into it to make it look that way, you know. Right, so, I mean, uh, just some, just you know, I mean, you got some cases, you know, like an oscillator or a ghoul for, hey, this is the bird I've got, and I've got to go, you know, this is the best I can do. So you've got to be dealing with a taxidermist that has had access to these birds and does have spare parts. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I've been down to Mexico. I go, you know, I send people out to hunts to both places, to both oscillated and ghouls. And I don't know, I've got probably 20 or 25 skins of each species in the freezer that, that uh, you know, that I just have that readily available to me to be able to produce a good mount for anyone that, you know, should show up with a subpar skin. Yeah. And a lot of times you just shoot two birds, and I can, you know, if one of them's in really bad shape and one of them decent, or both of them are in decent shape, but it might take two to make one. Right. So, you know, there's other there's other means to, to get to a good mount. So just yeah. make sure you're dealing with a taxidermist that has those skills. So can you do things like take the saddle off of one and use one saddle and, and one? Oh, know, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, okay. breast, one section of breast. Up on game, there are, everything's in feather tracks. There's there's as much skin on there that doesn't have a feather on it than there is, you know, skin that does. Right. So you can take, like, scaps off. You can take the saddle off, the back hackles. And we do that a lot. I mean, you know, you get a bird that, yeah, I mean, we don't want to turn the work down, but, you know, just because of a little feather replacement. I mean, that, that's what we consider part of our job, mm-hmm. to be able to take, take the hat and produce it and, and you not be able to tell that that bird was ever damaged. You know, I think too, a lot of it, what you said earlier is that, you know, the, the feathers are, are pretty durable, pretty strong, so they can put up with a, with a good bit of torture. Oh yeah. Don't, yeah don't if they, were, if they were delicate like a dove, you, we'd have a problem. <laughs> but yeah. tur- turkeys are relatively tough and uh, they lend well to a little bit of abuse where you can, right. yeah. All right, we've just gotten through listening to part two of my episode with Harry Whitehead with Gunner's Taxidermy. In uh, part three of this episode, Harry's going to tell us about the other types of turkey mounts, how to prepare the feet, the beard, and the fan for taxidermy without bringing domestic beetles into your home, how to skin a turkey, how to ship a turkey to your taxidermist, He's going to talk to us about spare parts for your turkey mount, and he's going to give us one tip for killing more turkeys. And when you get through listening to this podcast, go on over to www.gunnerstaxidermy.com and check out Harry's work. They do a really good job over there at Gunner's Taxidermy, 
and I um, know they would be glad to talk to you about doing your taxidermy work on your next turkey. Once again, I appreciate you tuning in this week. I know your time is valuable, and I appreciate you sharing some of it with us. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.